Will Tinubu remain in colonial servitude to the West as his predecessors have? Or will he look to East and look to China, India, the BRICS nations, and sort of move in Nigeria's best interest when it comes to the decline of the dollar and the rise of the BRICS nations? Will he use this as an opportunity to build a better Nigeria? Today we have Adefemi Akinsanya, and we're going to talk about all of this. She's a Harvard University student right now doing a fellowship there in journalism, and she is a host on Arise News. You guys are probably very familiar with her. You're watching The Voice of the Youth. I'm your host, Ken Mo. Let's get into the video. Adefemi, nice to have you. Thank you for having me, Ken So tell me, I know you've been watching the elections, the Nigerian elections you watched. What are your, what's your take? What, what, what are your hot takes? See, when it comes to elections, they're, they're a guilty pleasure of mine because I think that that's when you have the world's attention when it comes to politics. At every other time when you discuss politics with the lay person, the everyday person, they may have an opinion, they may not have an opinion, but when it comes to election, people are really switched on. And for 2023, much like with any type of presidential or parliamentary election in any country, people are very, very focused on what's going to happen. You hear words like, this is the most important election of our time. This is the one that's going to make a difference. They always say that all the time, though. <laughs> yeah, same rhetoric with every single election, and it works every single time. So what you have are people's uh, attention. So I think looking at the 2023 presidential elections, um, first and foremost in Nigeria, there were always going to be a few issues, as they are in any type of election. We, I think with me, the first thing I look at, um, the number of people who are registered to vote and that number against the number of people in the country. And when you look at that number, there's a huge disparity Thank between you. people who are like, registered to vote and the people in the country. And then, and, and like, and okay, because this is something that I just feel like not enough people were covering. But that, yeah. that element, also the fact that people, the, the numbers don't like account for deaths. You Absolutely. Know. So, like, how many people are really registered? And then when you see how many people actually voted, correct? It's it's insane. Like, it's insane. This is the thing. Nigeria has a very big data problem, and there are startups and institutions. Steers are doing a great job of trying to bridge that data gap, but there is a huge gap when it comes to Nigerian data. Simple things of where do people live. How many people are registered? How many births are registered? How many births are unregistered? How many people have died in a year? How many people have not died? Those numbers matter, especially when it comes you, to counting populations. Do you think that there's a lack of accuracy, or there's a there's an incentive not to be get accurate data driven by technology or proved by technology because there is something along the branding of claiming that there are. 220 now they're claiming 220 million nigerians every year there's like an additional 20 million nigerians that just somehow mm -hmm. appear um mm -hmm. so do you think that there's like something uh, there's an impact in people claiming that oh it's almost as big as the u.s in addition to oh m elections manipulation all sorts of things I think it's good to look at things for what they are. What we do know is that there are a hell of a lot of people in this country, in Nigeria, a, a lot of people there. And a lot of them, as we've already established, their, their actual existence isn't accurately registered. So first and foremost, there needs to be an actual count of the population. Then we can actually see what these numbers are and how relevant they are. To the point you're making at the possibility that the status quo is able to benefit from a lack of data. Perhaps it's possible because any gap can be ma manipulated for better or for worse. When it comes to the state of politics, though, I think it gets a bit more sticky because as we've established, if we are dealing with a 200 to 220 million number of a population, when we look at the people who are registered to vote, if we look at the people who are eligible for, to vote, and then we look at the people who are registered to vote, and then we look at the people who actually come out to vote, the number dwindles quite drastically. So that's going to be an issue because then it's like, are politicians focusing on the people who are not yet registered? Are they focusing on all of the people? Or are they focusing on the people who are registered who they know that they can get? And I think that when you're having legitimate uh, or illegitimate accusations of electoral fraud or voter irregularities, you have to now step back and look at the data. Well, perhaps 
these things can be manipulated because there is such a small number and there's so much, uh, so much of a lack of clarity when it comes to these details. And so I think, yeah, it's very possible that any type of messiness can be exploited. And when the stakes are as high as they are when it comes to politics in a country like Nigeria and indeed in countries around the world, yes, it's very possible that these things continue to be the way they are because they serve a purpose. And ultimately, when we look at things that don't make sense, I always like to think of what purpose is it serving? Because if it's serving the right purpose to the right people, or rather to the people in power, then it's going to continue to do so until something affects a change. That's interesting. Um, I see I see some themes in like some of what you said, and it's almost, there's this idea of also uh, breaking common narratives or popular beliefs. Okay. Um, and so there's this belief and I just, cause what you said just like made me think of something. There's this like story that I guess we were hearing a lot that elections are not won on social media. Most of the people that are, you know, voting don't even use social media. But when you look at the actual numbers of people that are actually going mm-hmm. out to vote, uh-huh. it, to me, it seems like it's the upper class who do are, who are on social media. Okay. Right. So like how much of an impact do you think social media has on the whole electoral process and in terms of who's actually being um, I won't say elected, but who is actually people are actually voting for? I think honestly, I think it has very little. I think what social media does um, for all its benefits when it comes to politics and elections, what it does is create another realm of noise. And sometimes people are so focused to listening to that echo chamber of noise online that they forget that that doesn't always translate to the ballot box and that doesn't translate to real life. And that's what then fuels anger. And then these accusations of electoral fraud or something not happening because you feel as though the noise you hear online should be reflected at the ballot box, at the announcement. And that's not always going to be the case. I say that because the vote in the United Kingdom, like the general election after the referendum on EU membership, there was a lot of noise on social media, a lot. And I think because of my age at the time, the people I followed on social media and what they were saying, regardless of what my own personal political affiliations are, it was clear if you fell, fell into the same demographic I was in and followed the same people I followed on social media, you absolutely felt that when Theresa May called for a, a snap election or whatever the case may be, there was a belief that Labour were going to win by a landslide. Okay, but I just want to, like, in the UK, the issue is different, right? Because you're talking about mm-hmm. echo chambers, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about echo chambers. And in the UK, we'll assume that most people are on the grid, Right. US, right. UK, right? So that's one mm-hmm. thing. Um, but in Nigeria, the co- the conversation is that most people are not on the grid, which is like a fair, uh, fear, a, a fair assessment. But my question is, obviously, we don't know this data, is mm-hmm. how many pe- of the people that are not on the grid are really voting? And I, I feel mean, like if you, if you actually think about it, like just mm-hmm. based on my educated guess, the people on social media, the people sorry, are, are on, on, on the internet, Mm-hmm. are the ones that are voting, not the ones that are not on the internet. If that were to be the case, if we look at Nigeria specifically, if it is the people on the grid, regardless of what their political affiliate, if we, if we, if that were true, right, that the people who are on the grid, the people who are making the most noise are, pe- are the people most likely to vote and be eligible to vote and to actually go out and vote, then I don't think the election or the outcome of the, of the election would have gone the way it did. Well, uh, that's, that's a, that, but hold on, though. Those are, those are two different yeah. conversations, right? Are they? Yeah, because one conversation is about election fraud, right? Right. And even in the U.S., it has been admitted that there has been fraud in the last election, right? You'll have people, even though I'm not saying that, they said, but they said it was so minute. I even watched huh? it on CNN. But it was so minute that it wouldn't have changed... <laughs> if i can even find the video i'll plug it in here right so even in america right that is the most probably technologically advanced country in the world there are claims of election fraud (laughs) right so then that's not even to talk of the uk who's behind in terms of technology right 
and then Nigeria. So as much as, yeah, we can say um, it doesn't reflect, but is the reflect, when you actually look at people, like what's his name, GRV, Mm-hmm. Uh, in his election showing us a piece of p- evidence a piece of paper with tipex okay. and them crossing out numbers mm-hmm. then you have to ask the question well does it like there's a difference between what people actually vote for and what, what? is allowed to be counted as a vote mm-hmm. right and then the, another like so even at the end of the day like even in the u.s ultimately i i feel like as though like the electoral college is an is, a, is an avenue for for fraud because when you because no one really questions the electoral college in America, how it's divvied up. Well, we know how it's divvied up, but it's still going to be somebody else looking at your vote and saying, "I approve it or I don't." I'm going to represent you, so it's still somebody else selecting your vote, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when when Trump won in 2016, when Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, so the American right. population voted for well, Hillary Clinton in the electoral college. Because at first, you remember that he didn't believe in the electoral college. But the, the electoral people of the elect- so then the question is, who are the members of the electoral college that are voting? Right. right. And let's like, and I just want if I even start talking about fraud in America, because people like, love to look at America like it's some sort of, I don't know, safe haven for, uh, or some paradise. But even something like the Oscars, right? right. You know, I've spoken to, you know, like a very prestigious di- director that's part of the Academy. They're bribing the, the Academy members. They're sending them Rolexes. They're sending them, you know, cars. They're sending them all these things, right? So what's happening to the Electoral College? What are they being sent? And there's no visibility on this because the propaganda makes you look another way. It makes mm-hmm. you not question, right? So that's just bringing the American. So America is not going to come around and say, "Oh, the Nigerian elections are, is fraudulent." They can, when like look in your own backyard, right? right? But in the Nigerian elections, within our own system, we have literally seen GRV and others, you know, who are actually there at the polling new units. They saw the numbers, and all of a sudden, the numbers that are uploaded online are mm-hmm. different. So you can't tell me. You know, and I'm not saying that one party is guilty of this. I, you know, I believe all parties are guilty of this. This is the system that has been allowed. But you can't tell me that um, the electoral results reflect the choice of the people. Because I think it's clear to everybody that watched this election that it didn't. But go on. Is that, that those are fine, uh, fine and valid points. And I did also see that report on, on Arise and it was shocking. It, it was, right? Um, even if you are the most skeptical person and the most cynical person to see that right before your eyes is, it might not be surprising, but it is shocking, right? So the questions are these, what needs to be done to ensure that the vote, how it is, is actually the reflection of the people? I can't, I'm not a member of that political party or any political party, right? Um, and so while I can definitely accept that seeing those tipexed out ballot papers was, it's actually traumatic because <laughs> it can, like, can you, ima- like, can you imagine the farce that is, you know, being sold just for that one ballot paper? And we don't know how reflective that was of all of the other ones. Right. The issue now is, okay this is a questionable ballot paper and that is one of many allegations or valid or invalid about this electoral process so if we're looking at INEC the I and INEC is supposed to be independent but clearly that's not being translated if we were to use this one ballot paper as an example but I think I think what I'm trying to gauge from you is that just because there were 10 or even 20 you mm -hmm. know and I'm sure social media can't show you more than maybe 50 ballot uh, si- or situations like that maybe they mm-hmm. can't i don't know but just from the what we experienced that day just because there were mm-hmm. that many that we saw does not mean that that still reflects the reality right because it's only you're only getting like uh, like 50 skimmed or scammed ballot boxes out of how many were there i don't know 100 and something thousand well that's right. not that's just, that's a minute number is that is that sort of like right. your argument so i think i think that's part of it right it doesn't excuse it, but how can we find out how reflective those types of situations are across the nation outside of 
this one ballot box, I'm not saying it was just one ballot box because we all saw videos of ballot boxes being snatched. We saw videos and we all saw Miss Jennifer who was attacked at her polling booth or, or different examples of these, these uh, pockets of unrest that clearly sought to disrupt this electoral process. My own is, on the one hand, how reflective is those, are those altered papers to everybody else's? Because I know that when we were, and I, I guess I've relied heavily on Arise um, and their coverage of the elections, but I know that when it comes to certain uh, political parties and their presence on, on the network, in as much as they have, in as much as they have said that this is not right and I've seen proof of you know fraudulent papers and this is not a free and fair election are you then also accepting that it's possible that the polling units that you did win could also be susceptible to that same type of electoral fraud because if you are saying that this is fraudulent then you must accept that that must be fraudulent too why is it that the ones right. that you have won are legitimate but the ones you have lost are illegitimate that's a good question that, that has to be something that is also discussed openly. I think another question too is that is that yeah. a lot of these parties that are that lost, they are also accused of doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's actually this is the name of the game in a way. So it's like, well, it's about who can outrig the other person. And mm -hmm. just because you weren't able to outrig, now you're you know, you're saying it's fraudulent. But mm -hmm. if if we did investigate and we found out that you are rigging too. Okay. then what are we supposed to say what to then? that correct so what what then happens then yeah and then if you are saying that you are absolutely not rigging and none of your proxies are participating in any type of electoral fraud then first you'd have to how can i put it's a very difficult thing when it comes to politics right because if you want to play this game the clean way which everybody says that they are then you have to accept the outcome. You have to accept that your opponent is also playing cleanly. But if you are adamant that your opponent is playing dirty, who's to say that you aren't doing the same too? And that's an awful set of circumstances because if you are truly coming to INEG or coming to the public, public with clean hands and you feel as though you are suffering an outcome as a result of other people's dirty hands, it is frustrating, it is traumatic, and it is annoying at the very best, right? So I do sympathize with any person in the political stratosphere who is trying to effect change with clean hands. I think the point I'm trying to make is, how clean are your hands? And that is a question for everybody, because you are only as clean as your proxy's hands. I'm not saying that any of the leaders of these political parties are the ones instituting any type of electoral fraud, but it could very much, could very much be a point that their proxies at all of these different levels, politics is so local. People right. talk about it here. And it's I think- actually right here. I, th right? I, think, so, I think one of my issues too with um, a lot of the parties is when you look at other countries, parties are divided by ideology. You know, the Democrats or Republicans, they're, you know, you're not going to see them. <laughs> they can't even, they're just, I don't know, they're like a cult, right? They're so, like, polar yeah. opposites of each other, right? Even in the UK, Labour, Tories, like, you're just going to see a very different sort of ideology. But right. in Nigeria, where you have people literally changing party every election, right. sometimes in the same election, they swap parties. <laughs> You know, then it's like, well, who says that your system, how are you any different mm -hmm. from the other parties? Last election, you, like, for example, for Peter Obi, last election, you ran with PDP. Mm -hmm. how, how is your ideology different now? You know, so, I think yeah. It, I think for me, I think they've accepted that their ideology is the same. Right. And I think that these leaders have accepted that it's just that they feel as though their style of governance is different, that their level of um uh of uh their level of the ability to be swayed by corruption is different that their style and their vision for nigeria is different but the political parties are the same and it's so funny that while i've been at study when we do talk about the elections and they have heard uh of this 
third runner who's now blown this race wide, wide open because Peter Obi did come to Harvard last year. He gave a talk at the business school. Mm. A lot of people have asked, oh, this Labour Party, uh, do they have a, s a special socialist policy drive to them? Are they called Labour because they care about workers' rights? And so, well, you can say that, yeah, I guess the genesis of the political party does have traditional, you know, graft or Labour uh, tendencies, because even when we've been at a rise and we've... When Badebo Road Survivor first came on a rise, the first time we interviewed him on the morning show, I asked him that very question. And because he had also switched from political parties before being announced as the um, is it the ticket the the person on the the ticket for the 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 Labour Party he had come from the PDP and before then he was at another political party. Mm. So I did ask when it comes to the Labour Party, do you have any you know socialist Marxist views on anything, or is this just another party? And I mean we can. We can share the link and you can listen to his uh, response to that question. But I think that we've gone to a point where ideology is just identical. I don't think that anybody cares about the actual belief behind a political party. I think the only I difference, I think the only difference is young versus old and, in, and innovation versus, you know, what we've been having i think that's the it's only the difference but my issue is that peter obi is not young and so that's why i really have like an issue when he's being packaged as the young guy uh -huh. even though he's younger he's not young uh -huh. and we've had uh -huh. somebody that was his age in president uh -huh. as president before good luck jonathan uh -huh. and where did uh -huh. i bring where did i get us uh -huh. so it's not as if that generation is really i i, I honestly i see someone like um grv i, I see him actually you know, representing the youth, you know, I see that in him and sort of... What does that mean, Kenim, representing okay. the youth? Rep okay, what I really mean... No, what I mean is that the the wants okay. of the youth, he's speaking in the language that we understand and that we want to see Nigeria change into. Okay. He's speaking in that language. Everything that he says is like music, right? Okay. And as, as opposed to... Um, you can see when somebody lacks authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. So as opposed to, um, what's his name? The current governor of Lagos. Samolu. Samolu, there we go. As opposed to him, there's not as much, it seems as though, uh, I don't know. I think because of NSARS, he lost a lot of trust. Yeah, like yeah. You, they could have said that about him before, but Definitely. I think with NSARS, he lost a lot of trust. And I think that's what it, that's really what it was. Like there was a, loss, a lack of trust in APC because of NSARS, mm -hmm. and of it course of Bihari as well, and what Bihari has correct. done with you know correct. Nigeria. Actually, if we if we split this down to look at Lagos specifically, that was very interesting. As you are well aware, we obviously had the the presidential elections uh, along with I think it was House of Reps, and then it was state and um, senators. I c I can't remember what the switch was, but we definitely had the presidential and the state level uh, governor lev uh, elections at on different weekends. And obviously we all saw that Lagos flipped from APC to the Labour Party, went from a party led by a Yoruba candidate to a party led by an, a candidate from, from the east of the country, an Igbo candidate significant no he's Yoruba please <laughs> don't do that no, it's, 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 <laughs> no I'm talking about at the presidential level right oh okay 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 like Vera oh right, right, right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Party. yeah so yeah. that was significant right that was major and I think that so it tells you what the people want people, it tells you what the people want at this at the presidential level in yeah. this one state right right in this one yes so when we got to the state elections that was where my eyes were definitely Ogun because that's where i'm from but it was definitely on lagos were we going to see a replica at the state level of what we saw at the presidential level and i can imagine that someone who might not have slept well or any political leader might not have slept well in that gap between the presidential and the state level because now is now the you know the chips are really down if the people have said that they don't believe in your leadership in your party's leadership to govern them as president it is reasonable to assume that it's very possible that these same people would say that they don't want this party and by extension you to lead them at the state level 
we get to the, uh, the announcements of the results, the APC have been able to hold on to Lagos. Then we have a lot of chatter, a lot of anger, and then a lot of jubilation as well, because every political party has supporters mm -hmm. across the board. No one political party has all of the youth or have, has all of the women or has all of the elderly, right? So For there sure. was a mixture of, of reactions. But I think from an international um, I'm not even talking about myself, but from an international lens looking in, especially knowing what happened in Lagos in 2020, I think that that was one of the biggest surprises that the government who were in power when such a miscarriage of justice and such an abuse of human rights occurred was able to hold on at the state level to the same state. That is significant. It does well, that I mean, okay, go on. There? about this government and this governor, or is this another example of perhaps an institutionalized state with electoral fraud issues? Who knows? Right. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, with the question of fraud, um, you're gonna look at it, you have to prove it, right? And you can't mm -hmm. just prove it on a minuscule level, you have to prove it at scale. That's but nice. when it comes, if I'm just thinking as if I was a member of APC, and specifically a member of Tinubu's camp, like Rome's biggest, I think about Rome and uh, all other empires and why they collapsed, their biggest okay. flaw was because they expanded too much uh -huh. that they couldn't maintain what they already had. Now, uh -huh. if Tinubu is expanding to the presidency and he should lose Lagos, that uh -huh. makes absolutely no sense because that would uh -huh. mean it weakens his presidency, right? Uh -huh. So it is my absolute imperative by any means necessary, by the rules of the land that I am in, mm -hmm. I'm just telling you as this is what, you know, a conqueror would think like, that I will maintain my stronghold of, of my state that I have possessed mm -hmm. for the past 20 years. So, I mean, I'm just saying that from that perspective, I understand why it's abs there is absolutely no, by no means <laughs> possible, is Lagos going to be taken from APC. Mm -hmm. Right. And by okay, crook. <laughs> by the rules of the land that have right. been that have persisted through times, unless we change the rules. That's it. You play the game, don't hate the player, hate the game. Okay. Okay. Right? So we just have to I think there's so many benefits of this election because technology gives us visibility. We mm -hmm. saw so many of the errors, the loopholes that were able to be hidden before. But it's like, now we know where the, the flaws are. We know how to point them out, you know, very specifically. Okay. So now the question is, I, I've said this in the last interview to the, to the Nigerian population, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. That's the real question. Because like, at the end of the day, this is your, like, at the end of the day, this is, this is, this is your presidency. This is your country. This is, you know, mm -hmm. you know, so what are you going to do about it? Because power is not given. Right? It's taken. It. Yeah. I think if you believe in democracy, and if you truly believe that the people have the power, if you truly believe that, then you will continue to show it at the ballot box. It sounds so juvenile, but it, I, I think one of the solutions, one of them is very simple. Nigeria's development has to be nationwide, right? right? If we're looking at the fact that one of our greatest exports after natural resources, after oil or, or cassava or palm or gold, one of our greatest exports is talent, like especially in the United States. Mm -hmm. We were just discussing this, that the United States is able to reap the benefit of so much Nigerian talent education especially and the uk it's so funny i saw someone wrote i wrote i saw someone wrote how nigerian do uh, politicians leave nigeria to the uk to meet nigerian doctors that ran away from their bad governance i saw something like that which was like you know yeah the so brain I mean, the brain drain is is a big issue it's a huge issue right yeah so i think that what needs to start is that we need to understand what we're dealing with and that starts with identifying how many people are in this country. Mm. Need a census. Need a census very, very, So very you think quickly. the, how much did they ask for? I can't remember how many billions of dollars. You think that, that, that that's an accurate, that's a good amount of money? <laughs> I don't know. 
I'll, I'll put my hands up and say, I don't know how much it costs, right? Because we all heard how much, you know, INEC said that they needed or how much this election cost, especially when it comes to this type of, uh, when it comes to technology and all of these different things that before the election, INEC officials, our representatives were very, very confident and excited that we weren't going to have the same conversations about the outcome of the elections, about the methods, the metrics of this election, because the technology was there and it was going to answer all of these questions. I, I just don't want us to be having these same conversations every four years. So what I like don't that, understand is if we have an NIN and uh -huh. we have a BVN, yes. how do you not know... The, the population okay yes fair enough you a lot of people a lot of people don't have them yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah a lot of people don't have them fair enough but if you require everybody to get one okay that's literally that's what to me that's one that what makes the most sense mm -hmm. and you require like some way like and so that's why i actually appreciate not the way it was done but mm -hmm. the sort of um the 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 nairus policy i like mm -hmm. not the way it was done and the speed mm -hmm. at which he did it to obviously affect to, where that idea was coming from no well he it's clear that the intention was to manipulate the elections which is that's, that should be fraud in itself if you ask me yeah but outside of that i'm just saying that i appreciate sort of making nigerians bankable or, or in the banking system just on like on some sort of registry because i don't think that a census like i don't remember like when was the last u.s census like that i like they don't do it like that. Yeah. They don't come to you. Like, I remember the Nigerian census. I remember the one from 2000. They come to mm -hmm. your house and they count how many people are in your house. <laughs> like, what the fuck how is that? Do they, like, like, do they literally count? Yes. They, they, like, someone comes there and comes. Uh, they will now come and count how many people. That's 2000. Though. That's before we were on the grid. But I just, okay. like, imagine, like, why, sh why would you do it like that? Okay. You do it in a way that you require everybody with a cell phone. Like, everybody has mm -hmm. a cell phone in Nigeria, right? That's not like, even... So everyone that has a cell phone has to have an NIN number. So that's the thing. So by that already, you already know how many Nigerians are there are. And like the it people that I mean, it's the people make sense, isn't it? So that's what I'm saying. So like, there's to me like the, the idea that we don't have an accurate number. Like we should already have that number. Like okay. everybody has an NIN that has a whatever. And then you, you just have to be in anybody's NIN. This is what they should have done: is ensure like we get your date of birth and your place of birth to actually know if you're a Nigerian citizen. That's where. You know that's where you actually you know okay. get it wrong yeah but there's no reason to have to do a census where you i don't know well i'm not an expert in censuses but i just i don't see how it would be so archaic that you need to go into inside someone's living room and count how many people are inside yeah. the <laughs> yeah, i mean it's tough i just think that we just I, I just think starting from basics which is again knowing how many people in this country so we stop throwing around this 200 and 210 220 million number let, let us first find out and then when it comes to just everyday life, which is what I think in certain instances we saw with the government drive for this or the, the central bank drive for that. Yes, these, <laughs> these institutions or these efforts were imperfect. But I think they sought to do a positive thing, which was, as you've said, try and find and build data. So yes, you and I are not absolved. When we go to Nigeria, we want to use a Nigerian SIM card. We must have a net and in. We must. We must. I did yeah. a report looking at how easy or difficult it is for somebody to get one. It wasn't the easiest process, but you got it, right? And it's, that's how things work. And I appreciate those things because those are genuine efforts to but, add and bring some type of order to the country. Wait, can I just because ask, though? Because yeah. I remember in, like, I think about in 2022... There was a mm -hmm. rule that if you don't have it by whatever date, your phone will start working. Yeah. Did they follow through with that? I don't think so, because even when I did the report, it was about you had to do it by such and such time. Otherwise, they'd cut you off or. Well, they um, should just follow through with it. They should just follow yeah, through with it. Yeah, but they extending probably to cater to people who hadn't been able to have. Like, again, this is look, the thing, like citizenry also have to take responsibility. Well, then look, look, at the end of the day, this is what you do. You cut it off. Okay. And they have to come in and now register, and that's how we will know the real number. You don't have a phone. That's yeah. the, that's that's the only way you actually do a that's proper gonna, registration. That's going to be your incentive to get the hell up and do it, right? That's what I'm saying. Like you cut their phone. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know. Yeah. And then now we're going to see how many people actually. So because we've told you since it's been oh two years, they haven't done it yet. Yeah. Come on, Definitely. you do it. Then you give them a deadline. Okay, everyone has to do it by this date. You make a new deadline. Okay. If you don't do it by this date, your phone is dead. 
Yeah. And you have to do it. And that's the only that's the only way to me that you do a census and that's free. It's not free, but it's like almost free. So what's the issue? Yeah. Why are we spending so be, money on nonsense, done. right? They're yeah, asking for something agree. billion dollars. Why why do you need a billion dollars? Just cut people's phones off. That's it. <laughs> and you'll know exactly how many Nigerians are there. Yes, you're going to uh, it's gonna be caught her. Uh, you're gonna to have to have double the staff, triple the staff, the lines are gonna be long. But it's your fault. Why didn't you go and put your NIN on your number? Uh, you know? See well, that's fine. And I agree. Like let's 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 actually get the change we want, right? Because we all have a responsibility in it. And I think that it's it's very easy for anybody to turn around and blame the government. And the often the blame is legitimate. I'm not even saying that it shouldn't yeah. go to the government because yeah. if you say that I should trust you with my vote. I should trust you. Even if I don't vote for you, I should still trust that you're going to have my best interest in art. You're damn right I'm going to call you out if something goes wrong. Yeah. You're damn right I'm going to complain if something else happens, right? So I do think that is valid and needed, and it is the responsibility of the citizen to hold their government accountable. But I do think that also as individuals, we all have a role to play in making sure that our country works to the best of its standards. So Absolutely. when you hear your government say, you need to get a national identification number and you must link it to your mobile phone. And if you don't do it, we're going to do this. Do it. Right. people did do it. We saw the cues. Right. People did do it. But also, the government has to have the infrastructure in place so that it's a calm process. Right. People don't have the time often to like leave their market stores, especially if you're living day to day. First of all, you should be able to do it online, you know. You should be able Could to do you, this online. I did it online. You remember the report? I did it online. I and came happened? to the office and they told me, oh, no, 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 no. You need to fill it out by hand. Yeah, no, we need to fix that. Because we're also like, this is actually not envir- environmentally friendly. The, these like paper systems, you know, yeah. it's actually like a real big waste. That's another yes. conversation entirely. The issues that Nigeria yeah. has with like waste. Um, okay. But yeah, like, no, it should be done digitally. You should be able to do it on your phone, <laughs> which Correct. is the irony. Um yeah it doesn't make sense to me uh but i get i understand why because also they're trying to mitigate fraud because mm-hmm. if you do it on your phone but maybe like they look their systems every phone these days has a camera i know google has like a, an authentication thing mm-hmm. where you have to go up and down or whatever you do yep. that on the phone the phone you should be a smartphone you require people to do a smartphone then you can now create a business right or you can incentivize uh, entrepreneurship uh, p- there could be set at hubs where people do it for you and they charge you, you know, I don't know, five naira, something cheap, nothing too crazy. And that's incentivizing more. So, like, the thing is, like, if they actually just uh, privatized it and allowed, like, the private sector to solve some of these problems, like, it will happen so much faster. And it will be, you know, do you know how many people want to make an extra, you know, whether it's, like, 100 naira, you make uh, different people, you know, if, if you don't have a smartphone, there are places that they will register you, you just have to be innovative in the way you think and you have to take advantage of you know the tools that we have in the modern world because the rest of yep. the world were already on ai and you guys are still trying to figure out how to digitize paperwork like what yeah <laughs> what are you talking I mean, about you know i i feel like the money is there you don't need you don't need something billion dollars that they're asking for yeah, that's that you say, no you say no no <laughs> look how difficult it is for people in nigeria to get a passport that's tough right. yeah that's tough yeah that's real, real tough. And another thing, like, and it's so, it's so frustrating because Nigeria is a country that has so much potential, so much potential. So many great things are happening, right? Yeah. But it's so hard to like keep going because everything around you almost feels like it's there to like trap you, trip you up yeah. or trap you out of like- I'm, I'm going to be honest. Way. I'm going to be honest. I, I have hope for Tinubu presidency. What's this? I think, I, think it's, I think it's actually a blessing in disguise. Um, and I say that because I look at what's happening. I think Peter Obi was too Western facing. And I look at what's mm. happening in the world mm-hmm. with the East, the global okay. East, mm-hmm. um, BRICS. And I, and I think we need someone that's in the middle, that's neutral, that's, um, that's going to get the best deal for Nigeria. You know, and I don't, you know, and I, yeah, Peter Obi is like, the West wanted Peter Obi. Everybody was backing him in the West. Um, and I felt like he, he might be leaning more into the West, but I think, or trying to appease sort of like the Western okay. view of him. But I think Tinubu is not worried about that. Um, mm. I think that, that we need, we need that kind of person because like the okay. dollar is declining. We're seeing all this stuff, the, the, the 
China, the okay. BRICS countries, what okay. they're about to do, we're going to need a leader that can not only see that, but see the opportunity that we can take advantage from both the um, the West and the East. Okay. You know, I'm so I going to be really interested in seeing definitely what the Tinubu presidency will look like and building who his, seeing who his team are going to be. Which ministers are you going to pick? And what are their backgrounds going to be like? Because like you said, the world is changing constantly. And uh, if we look at some of the topics that you just mentioned there um, about how the world is shifting away from the dependence on the green bag, that's really interesting to see how different countries, developing or not, are positioning themselves. Because you mentioned BRIC con BRICS countries and how within these institutions, they are trading with each other. Like, so, so much more of India's trade now is happening with the Indian rupee. That's what I'm saying, right? This is so what I'm saying. So what if we had a not yeah. enough of a president yes, that yes. had the balls to say, you have to buy Naira, or I'm going to back Naira by oil? What if we had a president that balls? said that? Of course. Of course, it is balls. Because so like the, the United States huh? back their dollar against gold and realized eventually that, oh, you know, we're not going to peg gold to the US dollar because they realized that some in some instance that it was not helping them and that they were well they pegged it to oil price. though I said I didn't say gold I said oil What's that? right and so they pegged a dollar to oil so it was the petrodollar mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. that's what uh, evolved you know America's economy but being right. backed by gold was still I mean the reason why the petrodollar worked is because now everybody that bought dollar had to buy sorry everybody that bought oil had to buy it in dollars which brought mm -hmm. a lot of influx of money consistently into america on a daily basis right correct but i'm saying with nigeria if we said we're backing it by oil mm -hmm. so you have to buy oil in naira that's going to mm -hmm. help and we we are a producer of oil you see what i'm saying correct. i feel like it could but obviously speak to an economist about it maybe i'll have one on but we need someone with the guts to do that. And the thing is, like, you can do it. It's just that you're going to get a lot of haters. Europeans are not going to want to see Africans start backing their okay. stuff with their natural resources because we have the natural resources. They don't. Right. Right. So, and, yeah. no, I, I think you're making a fantastic point. And this is the stuff that really whets my appetite when it comes to international relations and international politics, because we are seeing more and more institutions and countries stick it to the United States and say, actually, I'm going to call your bluff. And China led the way. You want our goods, you're going to pay for our goods in our own currency. And we're seeing it. it's not just a China-US thing. A lot of European markets are trading in the yuan, right? If we're looking at the numbers, I do believe that um, renminbi-based trade in, in China and its ex international trade, for example, has gone from being some 3% in 2010 to being 18% of its international trade today. Yeah. And that, I mean, I mean, it's not a huge number, but it's a significant increase. And but people should wisen up, right? People should wisen up. It should right. not be about buying it in, 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 um, so our, oh, what's it called, yawn, uh, RMB, unless, yep. Yep. unless you're actually trading with China, because then mm -hmm. you're putting China in the same position that you put the US, and that's not the goal here, because, right. <laughs> you know, like, you don't, like, look, the devil you know is better than the one you don't, right? Yes, but what I'm saying is, if you say no, we're going to trade it in my local currency. That's what mm -hmm. we'll accept, right? Yeah. And in, in countries like Europe that are desperate for oil and gas right, right now, with because with the lack that they're getting from Russia, we can mm -hmm. dictate that. And we're going to need a president that will understand these international relations and know how to navigate it, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that Peter Peter Obi is that guy, you know, in this circumstance. I don't think he's willing to. I don't think he's his international no please be be, res be, res be very specific it's not international it's western approval mm -hmm. right that's that's what I'm talking about right it's not you can still have a flourishing international relationship mm -hmm. and not be a colonial serve uh, in, in colonial servitude to the west and mm -hmm. we've had people that have been in, of that mindset but I think we need a player that understands the global landscape and the okay. opportunities globally to make decisions that are best for Nigeria as a country. And right now mm -hmm. is the best time to refuse any requests from the US because mm -hmm. China, all these other countries are selling their dollars. <laughs> mm -hmm. So now is the time. And I don't think Peter Obi, I don't like, he's not striking me as someone because someone that did half of his campaign in America, 
that's not someone that it sounds like is going to mm-hmm. move away from the dollar that understands the, where the world is going like mm-hmm. who knows like and this is just my guess but i know that tinubu is not in a position to even be a col- in colonial servitude to the west mm-hmm. so i know already off the bat we already know that he's going to be looking at the world and that's what we need right that's what nigeria needs and i as I've said, I'm very interested to see what that's going to look like because at this point we're all discussing we're all discussing theory, right? Absolutely. Let's see what actually happens. What come is it May 24th or May 12th? With May 29th, May 29th is going to be um, Democracy Day and his inauguration. Well, let's just see because that's going to be really interesting because you're seeing all of these other countries put themselves first. I mean, even um, Russia, for example, and I. I I, I, I guess I can see where you're where you're coming from when it comes to your um, your ideas on what or where Peter Obi what a, pres, uh, a Peter Obi presidency could look like when it comes to relations with the West. I, I I can see where you're coming from with that. But if we were to look at um, Russia, for example, and obviously the world was not happy with its invasion of ukraine okay let's be specific (laughs) this is why i pro this is why i really this is why like the western world the rest of the world does not care the rest of the world is like we're gonna mind our business okay and you can see why china has so much back that's that's what china has do you know what china has been able to do mending relationships in the middle east through mm-hmm. this, just because of this Ukraine war, war, um, war. So mm-hmm. you have to be careful when you listen to a lot of Western propaganda. It's just the West that cares about that. The rest of the world is like, well, who cares? It's not my business. Fine. Well, I get okay. what you're saying, right? The yeah. European Union, the whole of Europe, and the United States and Canada, they don't represent the world. Absolutely right? not. Right. They don't. And clearly, when we're looking at this invasion of Ukraine, I think as individual people, we have come to we have come to a point in our development or in civilization where we realize that war does more harm than good. But for people who have the luxury of being able to be outside of that war zone and look into it, I think that they can see a few things. They can see that, hmm, perhaps a lot of people thought that this war would bankrupt Russia, even if that is the case that hasn't happened yet. A lot of people might have thought that this war would obliterate uh, the Russian ruble. That didn't happen because if anything, you've got Putin saying, if you want my resources, if you want our natural gas, you're going to have to pay for it in what? My own currency. And many people might not have thought that he would have, he would have had that bargaining chip because so much negativity came from his invasion or the invasion of Ukraine. So I think that's going to let me let me tell you what I think it is. It's it's some delusions of grandeur from the Western perspective Mm. and sort of that white supremacist undertone. Uh. Like just you know, you just kind of think that you're what you're not anymore. Right. And so like you literally just told like you you like gifted China by sanctioning him to Russia. Right. By doing that, because now this is what is actually expedited the rise of the BRICS from Brazil, all these countries, mm-hmm. India, all these BRICS countries saying we're no longer um, trading in dollars. Mm-hmm. And now people, people are strengthening the RMB. Like, it's just delusions of, of, your, of your power. And because out of a war that you have no business even getting involved with. Okay. It's t- because I of what? Because you want to maintain the white race? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, there's a lot going on here, but I think it's it's more than it's that. I I also think it's more than that. I think that in life, and we're talking about currency, so I, I'll extend it to currencies. In life and in currencies, you will die one of two deaths: okay, a gradual one or a sudden one. Okay, and if we're looking at the dollar, for example. Some countries like China or India may say that the dollar is dying a gradual death. Some people who don't see the possibility of their own currency being able to stand in a fight against the greenback might think, I know the the dollar is as strong as as ever, there's nothing that's ever going to happen to the dollar. But I think that if we were to ask the United States, they would say, oh, you know, 
No. The dollar's always going to be the dollar. There's nothing going wrong with so it. So I'm right here in Washington, D.C. Right yeah. by my house, there's a bus stop that shows us the national debt. Okay. $31 trillion. Mm-hmm. By the time it hits $32 trillion, I believe that's going yeah. to be in May or June, there's going to yeah. be a government shutdown. Right. Mm-hmm. So not only has... So on one end, you have to understand, yes, there's this geopolitical landscape around the dollar. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. actually, that's only a microcosm of the real Mm -hmm. issue Mm -hmm. what has happened in the u.s is the abuse of the dollar the fact that government like the government is paying trillions of dollars in interest from loans just to run america that's just Mm -hmm. the interest that they're from past years that they're still paying off they haven't even (laughs) do you understand what i'm saying so you understand the dollar is weak so like yes and then so we're experiencing inflation because they're over they're printing and printing and printing and printing the reason why the gold standard was important is because every single dollar was backed by an existing piece of gold gold is scarce uh-huh. you uh-huh. know gold has all the right tools to be a, a valuable currency but once uh-huh. we went off the gold standard uh-huh. the dollar was now backed by the american the branding of america the power of america Mm -hmm. the industry Mm -hmm. of america right Mm -hmm. and that's what it is today but the problem is when that industry abuses its power prints so much money you know does all these financial or policies that just are not conducive to the actual dollar and you have to think Mm -hmm. about it right all these central banks around the world i believe it's like 80 percent of the world they Mm -hmm they save their money in dollars so that means there's a lot of printing of dollars right not just locally but internationally Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. so it can be around the world so what happens when you print too much money inflation and so now the america in itself has already messed up the integrity of the dollar by overspending and that's just the nature of the land that we're in it's the it's overspending so once that has happened what happens next is then china is like why are we all these other countries is like why are we doing this why are we like supporting this dollar that is not even strong that you know because america one thing about america pro or con you could call it whatever you want to call it but we have free speech and american people i'm I'm an american person will expose the flaws of our country to the world so the world is watching (laughs) and the world is like what the hell is going on with the dollar and so china's like why am i buying this the rest of the world's like why are we buying this toilet paper but in addition to that America now bullies other countries because people rely on the dollar. They then bully other countries, saying, we sanction you, we do this, we do that, we do that. And I think what happened with uh, Russia Russia. is the fact that we saw that not only did they say all the dollars in your central bank are, are, um, all the dollars in your central bank are void, null and void. You have to understand the reason why people trusted the dollar is because it's stable. It's because it's mm-hmm. trustworthy. It's because it's reliable. But for mm-hmm. you to say that you're going to make every dollar in somebody in their the, the, basically the country's savings, you're going to render it null and void. Well, that's mm-hmm. making other countries say, "Wait a minute, oh, you so wait, the dollar's not right." You could do that to us if we don't comply with what you want us to do. Yeah, Th- that's the first flaw, right? This is why okay. people have a big issue with Biden, right? That's the first is- issue. Then the the the, t- the tech like getting all of big tech to exclude Russia and all these America comes to exclude Russia. So everyone's like, so if we don't agree with your ideology and your systems and your beliefs, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're going to be canceled. So America has abused power. So America has abused the dollar, abused power. And the rest of the world is like, what the hell? And don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that China's any better, but China has seen I the opportunity. And when you actually look at what it is for it, is, when you look at what it is as it is, Mm-hmm. How did America rise to power? By by basically slavery. Whether mm-hmm. it's like even slavery in in you know the traditional sense of you know taking black lives Living and you know or the modern slavery which is you know the workforce and yeah. the brain drain. So that's mm-hmm. how America rose to power, right? How did China rise to power? Partnerships and building other nations. If you just look at it for what it is. <laughs> like like yes we know china's some of their loan terms are terrible whatever you can say all this stuff but if you just look at it on the surface for what it is who has benefited other countries more the u.s or china objectively speaking you're going to say it's china 
because of the Belt and Road Initiative and how they're building all these roads for all these countries. So ultimately, like the way you start something is where you're going to finish it. So right. people don't think that China is going to change tomorrow and say, maybe they will, who knows? But it's going to be much harder for them to change tomorrow and say, no, we're going to do this. This is why India is not saying we're going to change money for Chinese yuan. No, they're saying we're going to change it for rupees. Mm-hmm. So China is allowing, in its new space that it's creating, it's allowing other countries to flourish. And so that's what, and, and so the white supremacist agenda of the West is being diminished and that's what is causing everybody to have a fuss but that's just my two cents <laughs> i have a documentary coming out on the university of making money go check that out and i break it when all is it down coming out? in a few days um yeah i'm almost finished with it but yeah check it out hmm. i mean like i said i, I love international politics it's, Same. It's, it's what i it's what i study for undergrad um and i think that Sometimes you can forget that, like, in as much as we in, enjoy and in understand or try and understand the complexities of how different countries rule or how they try to rule and govern each other and govern the world, it all boils down to, do I have what you want? And if I've got what you want, how much you want to pay for it? Yeah. That And, and like, that's why international relations are really uh, interesting to me, but also... I love crime programs. Financial crime. <laughs> financial, Fina- crime. financial crime specifically. <laughs> because, like, it's so interesting to see that, like, you see someone in a suit of a certain race or of a certain gender and you associate their behavior with positivity, but really they're doing the same thing a drug dealer is doing or a murderer or, 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 or a human trafficker is doing guns they've just made it legal they've just made it legal that's it that's it same framework it's same thing they just made it legal that's that's currencies people drugs arms they're all traded in the same way right it's just that some have the cloak of legality (laughs) and some do not right but it's very very interesting to sit back and just look at how all of these different institutions go go ahead but then sometimes you have to realize i know this affects me. 100%. You know what? It, it actually, like, is a testament to the African proverb. If you go alone, or if you go... What's it? Something about if you go alone... If you want to go will, quickly, you'll go alone. If you want to go, go far, far, you go with a group. So when, when, when you go alone and you're a drug dealer, a lonesome drug dealer, you know, know. with your little squad or whatever, of course, you're going to go to jail. But if you go and you do it with the government, you're going with the whole country. Mm-hmm. You're leading the whole country into this path. Well, hey... You're going to go far, right? So just changing your... Med- like, you take the same systems and you put it into policy. Okay. And then it's legal all of, all of a sudden, right? Yeah. I mean, look at look at the Ozarks. I don't, I don't know if you watched that. And, like, I, I wouldn't say that they did anything. It was if they made things legal, but they made it... It, it became harder to target right. one person. Right. To c- because you so, have it, you have it so like in the ingrained in the whole town. I, yeah. I, I watched the first two seasons. I, I didn't so I, I didn't continue after that. But it, like yeah. it's so so me for the way I see it. There's so many parallels mm-hmm. with the Nigerian government and the U.S. government or other international governments. And I so I oh, think you it's think so, so. Oh my God, yeah. It's like the corruption in this country is like it's so profound. Like mm-hmm. you have to think about it. You have to be the most corrupt country in the world to be the leader of the world. Right, but America just packages its corruption in, 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 with a, such a pretty bow mm-hmm. and, and great propaganda. But it's like you're doing the same thing. Like the, <laughs> when you even look at just like the political parties and their sort of levels of corruption, they're just, they just, they do it, they put a pretty bow, they'll tell you what they're doing, but they have a pretty bow on it. Sometimes they hide what they're doing, but if you ask them, they'll say it. But the way they package it, the way they phrase it, it's like, oh, that's okay. And it's not any different. What's the difference between lobbying Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> and like extortion, <laughs> or like what is the difference between that? Right, yeah. So like, I mean, it's just as corrupt. I just that's why a lot of times the West, when they see some, you know, some of these elections that we hold in Africa, they can't really say anything. People are still questioning whether the U.S. election was even legitimate. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, it's it's an interesting it's an d- interesting dynamic there. Ew. Yes. Well. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Dave Femi. Always, always a pleasure, Kenny. Of course. And continue, you know, going strong at Harvard. Thank you. <laughs> yes. 
Really appreciate it. I mean, you're doing great things. So you've got so I can't even keep a handle of all of the different products you have when it comes to the internet, whether it's news and current affairs, whether it's documentary making. So you're a huge inspiration, and I use thank your you. different handles to keep me abreast of what's happening. On oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's been very happy. So I'm very, very proud of your progress, and just thank looking you. forward to seeing how much further you go. So it's always thank a pleasure so to talk to you, Kenim. Of course. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. All right. I hope you liked that. Let me know your thoughts. Leave a comment down below. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, all the above. You're watching OVG Africa. Make sure you follow us on all socials at OVG Africa. Um, check us out on all check us out on all socials and I'll see you in the next one. A peace.